Pittsburgh, making Eternia great again. I am Eddie, Prince of Daydream Destruction Manual and Defender of the Podcast Arcade. This is Carl, my goad-kicking friend. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic microphone and said, By the power of podcasts, I have the power! I have the power too! Carl became the mighty goat kicker, and I became E-Man, the most podcasting man in the universe! Only three others share this secret. Our friends, the podcasteress, Justin at Arms, and Dorco. Together we defend the podcast arcade from the evil forces of boredom. Mega! Welcome to a brand new episode of Make Eternia Great Again, the podcast where two middle-aged dreamers <laughs> remember Masters of the Universe and He-Man and all the fun stuff with it. The, the fun cast of Make Eternia Great Again. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We're having a good time and hope you're having a good time with us. Um, today, uh, it's just me, Eddie. Uh, we, uh, Carl and I have teased doing a, an, an episode where both of us are together. That should happen at some point in time. Stay tuned. We'll keep you posted for that, for your brains to explode from having both of us in the room at the same time. On this episode, I'm going to be discussing the figure and character, Roboto. Not to be confused for Mr. Roboto, this ain't no stick song. So a thing that we, and I say we, Carl and I, have laid down and discussed well-trod territory or well-trod statements of Make Eternia Great Again, the thing that makes Masters of the Universe and He-Man, one and the same really, uh, exciting and fun and kind of live in your own, you know, stay alive in your imagination was the fact that the world kind of did whatever the heck it wanted to. And if you were paying attention, and as a kid you kind of couldn't help but pay attention because it just kind of demanded you to look at it, the, because they were doing whatever the heck they wanted to do, it inspired in you, or it inspired in one, and in me, to do whatever you wanted to do. So you were encouraged to come up with your own storylines, do something wacky with the characters, you know, make your own backgrounds. And it really kind of stuck that way all the way through. Um, and the reason why I say that is Roboto, and once again, through the passage of time, I kind of had to do my own back research to make sure I was remembering correctly, and I was right in this one. Roboto, and once again, per me, I'm playing with the character. Here he is. More on that sound in a bit. The character of Roboto was introduced towards the end of what we remember to be Masters of the Universe. Uh, not to discuss the, the space version of Masters of the Universe that came uh, shortly thereafter, which did not do well from everything that I've seen. And what I remember, it just did not last. So Roboto kind of showed up towards the end. And that was kind of my memory of the character and the figure as well. Um, there was already a lot of other quirky characters that were thrown out there. And not that 
their imagine uh, that their imagine oh man my brain's dying their imaginations were running low but it seems like they were kind of they had a checklist and having a fully robotic figure was on the list they kind of flirted with it in the form of manny faces uh, he had a very strong like partially robot if anything and then also uh, i believe it was yeah sky clone more on him later the character of sky clone i had actually looked at per, uh, picking him up recently but uh, was also a robot or part robot. I'm, this is That character I'm a little bit loose on. Hey, on the mega page, let us know about characters that you know about. But um, I can look this up too. But So Sky Clone, from what I understand, partially a robot, if not fully one. Manny Faces, definitely partially a robot and a partially organic you know, uh, humanoid. But Roboto, uh, not only fully robot, but robot-looking. Uh, even if Skyclone was a robot, he still kind of looked like a, 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 a person, a, a, a human. He had a human face and a human physique. Roboto doesn't really give you any of those impressions. Not a humanoid face. In fact, a very kind of a 50s version of what a robot would look like with no real facial, facial features at all. Kind of a centurion-looking helmet with just kind of that, that Cylon line for the visor for eyes. And in this case, his eyes are blue or the, the visor is blue. And then a mouthpiece kind of like the old like medieval helmets that actually goes up and down when you rotate his torso. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into the figure because like all my episodes, I'm going to, or most of my episodes, I'm going to handle uh, the, the discussion of this figure in three distinct phases. One, the comic, two, the cartoon, and three, the figure. So starting off with the comic, the comic of Roboto was interesting. I'm able to kind of look this up because, like I said in past episodes, uh, Carl and I do possess, uh, independently of each other, we have our own copies, <laughs> uh, of the collection of all of the mini-comics that came with the figures. And this, and this mini-comic is no exception. It is the Roboto mini-comic. And in that mini-comic, and they wrote this all the way through. And that's what I kind of hinted at in the beginning of the episode. It wasn't like somehow through the run of He-Man, they decided, hey, we should have the mini-comics line up better with our, with our cartoon. They may have done that from time to time, but for a lot of it, they just said, these two things are going to exist interdependently of each other. They're going to have their own storylines and variances within them. And so this, no exception. And it's kind of funny how the comic influenced the figure more than the cartoon did. So with Roboto, in the comic, he was a construct. He was built by Man-at-Arms. Once again, Man-at-Arms, weapons expert, chiropractor, <laughs> in the form of giving Mechanek a robot or a cybernetic chiropractor, and now full-on sentient robot builder. There is nothing Man-at-Arms cannot do. Believe it and achieve it, Man-at-Arms. Um, so he made, per the comic, he created Roboto, and in the comic gave him a cybernetic heart to have him be able to experience and express human emotions, to make him more human-like. And so this is where it was really cool. If you look at the figure and you have to rotate him, you have to look at him from behind at his back and from an angle, like over his shoulders, you can see embedded in the gears of his uh, trans translucent chest and back, you can see a heart. 
there's actually a heart inside the figure. And this is what is uh, a very important part of the storyline of the mini-comic. So the mini-comic directly influenced the design of the actual action figure, which in a lot of cases, it was the other way around, where some of the cartoon um, design uh, schemes influenced the character, a la Man-at-Arms' iconic and never-to-be-trifled-with mustache. Moving on to the cartoon, this is where the design and the backstory of Roboto, surprise, is different. And so a thing that I consider and Carl considers a strength of this series in that it's encouraging children to tell their own stories with these figures and with the comics and with the cartoon. Draw from these what you want, make up your own thing, throw it away, whatever you want to do. They, you know, these are our, these are your characters too. Let's have fun. So in the cartoon, it was a different storyline. Pardon me while I play with this figure. In the cartoon, it was a different storyline where there was a crashed spaceship on Eternia, and Man at Arms and, and uh, He Man, Prince Adam, go to investigate, and they see a pilot who's really injured, uh, if not dead or robot dead, however you want to phrase that, was dead to the point of being, oh, dead, injured to the point of almost being dead, but they discover he's a robot. And in a particularly kind of gruesome and a classic thing, even to this day, which somehow we're okay with in a way in the form of Transformers, where we won't show kids or even like, you know, older kids robot, or I'm sorry, uh, human death in an animated cartoon, or we kind of shy away from that, at least in the more mainstream cartoons. But if it's a robot, different story. They basically have his insides. His, his, you see wires, which are basically in the position of where his guts would be, and his chest cavity is just open, and you can see like there's gears and stuff in there. And you're like, if that was a person, that'd be all the insides that make you work. These are his insides, but they had no problem showing that because, you know, deal with the kids. It's not real blood. He's a robot. And so they, but they also imbue him with, you know, human traits too. So it's a weird line to walk. But anyway, um, so Man-at-Arms and He-Man pick him up, carry him to Man-at-Arms workshop where he's going to resurrect this dead, this dead robot guy. So they get him back to his workshop and they're unable to activate him. Long story short, through uh, Orko's uh, shenanigans and tomfoolery, he slams into Roboto, jarring something loose and waking him up from his, his uh, near-death experience. So Roboto, the one thing, and I, like I said, my nature, and uh, despite my Prince Adam rant, um, my nature and the nature of this show is to look at this through a positive lens and have a good time. But sometimes because you love something, you can kind of point out some of its weak spots. And this is one that really did stick with me. The voice of Roboto is enough to make you want to just drive an ice pick through your eardrums. It is just the quintessential, like, for as much creativity as they had put into the series, they, on certain things, they just fell right in line with the trope. I mean, picture what a, you know, early 1980s adult or person in that time who was an adult who would have made a robot voice. They did it. You know, it's a nasally high-pitched, I am Roboto. I mean, it is literally... <laughs> It's annoying. And I personally, like, once again, as kids, we probably didn't know better. We just accepted it for what it was. But looking at it through the lens of an adult and especially through, you know, like I said, there was so much creativity being utilized on this. It's kind of weird that they chose to just kind of just oh, give them a robot voice and move on. So the robot voice, not a fan. Um, but I do like the idea of them having a completely 
artificial, an AI level type character around them, not AI level the movie, but just artificial intelligent robot that is experiencing kind of the data, if you will, of the Masters of the Universe. So the cartoon goes on, and in true Masters of the Universe fashion, there's a conflict. Roboto steps up, shows his worth, and then there you go. Everybody's happy. I rewatched this cartoon to A, kind of refresh the character in my head, but also to kind of like look for differences between the, uh, the cartoon and the comic. And a peculiar thing that was missing was there's no reference to his heart. To my knowledge, this is his only real episode that he shows up in. This is it. And I think shortly thereafter this episode, uh, He-Man called it quits, at least in this form. But in this iteration, the 1980s, early 1980s iteration of He-Man, they, of the animated series, they did not show the heart, the inclusion of his cybernetic heart, which allowed him to have emotions and communicate with uh, He-Man and his other masters of the universe in a more human-like way. So I found that to be kind of an interesting departure from the comic. I like the fact that they thought, you know what, we can't just throw him out in the world. He's going to be no different than a toaster. We're going to give him a heart, and now he's got literal heart. <laughs> That's, I'm not even trying to do a pun. So finally, I am moving on to the figure. I'm holding him in my hands as we speak, as is my normal layout. And the thing to note is, once again, a very classic, you know, Masters of the Universe figure in a lot of ways. Um, uh, the, his legs and boots are the same mold of, of um, Trapjaw and Manny Faces. That is kind of their, their cyborg slash robot mold, apparently, because this has been used now for the, the I, I think this is the third figure to utilize this. There may be more, as far as I know, but from what I see, this is the exact same mold on his legs as Trapjaw and Manny Faces. The, uh, like his, like, you know, his, like, waist, cod piece, whatever you want to call that portion, I believe is unique. It, it might be uh, derived from another cast, but I, I think it's unique in its design from what I've seen. This is where his uniqueness kind of sticks out from the, everything at this point. Everything else on him is his own. His chest does not have that musculature like all the other or most of the other um, Masters of the Universe figures have. It is this prismatic-looking, clear case and, and, and it's shaped like a chest for the most part it has a distinct v-shape to it but it has facets much like a diamond um, all around it and like i said uh, previously it's completely see-through well i say completely this is a 30 plus year old figure so it's a uh, it's a little cloudy but still you can see through it quite well and uh, he has we'll, we'll get into more to the inner workings of his chest in a second here uh, and his arms the best i can remember his arms are completely unique to himself i don't remember any other uh, figure like this having arms basically there's the it's the classic uh, motu arm you know muscle you know muscled arm in that pose but it's also overlaid with all of this uh, circuitry and wires and servos and tubes and it looks very borg like in a way but so you know it, it looks almost laid on top of the mold which maybe is exactly what they did they you know you know i'm theorizing here but maybe they took the mold and just kind of carved additional detail into it who's to say but it looks very much like it doesn't go in as much as it's laid on top of 
and then the uh, the head is another part that I'll talk about uh, with the chest, and I'll just get to the inner workings of the chest. Uh, as we said, most of the figures tried to feature some sort of gimmick, some sort of action feature that made them unique amongst all the other figures. You have those exceptions. You've got you know the actual He-Man and Prince Adam figure and Man-at-Arms, where they didn't have an action feature, but the fact that they were you know, cornerstone members of the Masters of the Universe, that was enough. Um, you know, He-Man is his, he, he is his own action feature. But in the case of Roboto, his action feature, which is really cool, really cool. And I remember seeing other toys that did this uh, that were a larger scale. Uh, they were toys that you could turn a crank and you could see all of the inner gears working as you turn this crank. Well, this is a play on that whole notion, but much more smaller and encased in the chest of this figure, where as you rotate the waist, and once again, like uh, the other figures that feature an action item, if you gain something cool, you got to give up something cool. So he does not have, he lacks that power spring-loaded punch that the other figures had. Instead, as you rotate his waist, there is a master gear at the bottom that then activates a series of other gears that spin around visibly inside his chest. And 30 plus years later, this thing is still spinning around like a champ. I'm looking at it right now. You can't hear the gears, can you? Maybe you can. Um, I remember my brother playing with this figure so much as a kid that the master gear at the bottom had actually gotten its teeth just stripped. And so we would turn him and you would see the barest bit of tooth grabbing the gears and it would pathetically spin, you know, partially spin the gears inside his chest. But this figure that I'm holding, he has got all of his gears intact. There is not one, I mean, there's barely any sign of wear on these gears. So these things were built for, for quality and to last. My brother just literally, I, I, if my memory, and I associate this with my brother Matthew quite a bit, this to my memory was his favorite figure. Uh, loved Roboto. I mean, the kid was born in 19, let me think back to this, 1980, if I remember correctly. And so he was five years old. For him, it was a target age and you know, Roboto was his guy. Um, and one little extra little item of, of awesomeness, and I have to applaud the designers of this figure because it's one of those things that if you weren't paying attention to, you wouldn't have seen it, and there's no reason why they would have had to have done this, but they chose to. The board, essentially the motherboard or, or the, the circuit board in which these gears are mounted to inside his chest actually has like a silvery gold circuitry etched into an overlaid into the circuit board. So he has a, you know, a, a circuit board facade with gears embedded into him that as you turn, the gears activate. And as an added little bonus, his head, as you turn the gears, there is also a post that the gears turn, which cause his, that, 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 um, that uh, Centurion-style helmet, it causes the mouth guard piece to move up and down as if he is speaking. So you, <laughs> he does quite a cool little trick here in one little movement. You turn his waist, there's a lot of action going on inside his chest and inside his face, just like all of us. <laughs> in your chest and in your face, there's all sorts of things happening, aren't there, kids? So anyway, that is my take on uh, the, the figure of Roboto.
the thing in addition to him is, like I said before, from what I've read and what I remember, he marked more or less the end or the ending of the original run of Masters of the Universe. And, and in that, he represents to me a little bit of melancholy, a, a little bit of that was fun, wasn't it? And, and we're way too early into Make Eternia Great Again to be having that kind of talk. But, but to look at that and to know that, yeah, this was a fun time. And as far as the newness of it and the wackiness of it and all that, there's no way it could have you know, persisted forever. And the inclusion of him, while inevitable in my mind, when you start creating kind of anything, you're going to at some point be like, we should do a robot guy. That'd be awesome. Um, also is kind of a sad in a way because he he recog- uh, he kind of embodies the the crossing off like I said of a list that I'm sure had many things on it and uh, there's another book that uh, that we have the art of masters of the universe and they show some ki- a character concept designs so you can see there's a lot of ideas they had that they didn't get to make uh, but I am glad at the end of the day that they got to uh, kick out Roboto before they decided to throw in the towel on this version of Masters of the Universe. The, the inherent quirkiness of him as well, and the color scheme too, and I, I, I don't want to, I'm kind of speaking out of backwards here as I'm wrapping up, I'm going to add one more thing. The color scheme of him, like everything we talked about with these guys, is very striking. Blue arms, a red left his left hand. Oh, similar to Trapjaw, Roboto has an arm, his right arm, that has interchangeable weapons. So he has an axe, there was a claw, and there was a blaster gun. Now this figure that I picked up, unfortunately, all he had was his axe. So unfortunately, my Roboto can only chop his way out of situations, not shoot his way out. But you know, how cool is that? <laughs> a robot just chopping axes all the way through. He's basically a lumberjack Roboto. So with this figure, to me, it does represent you know, a mix of, look how creative they are, look how much the cool stuff they package into a figure, and yet on the same token, it's kind of a herald of a, a coming of the end of that. So that is Roboto, and he is gonna stand proud with my other figures in my mini collection. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't remind everyone listening that it is He-Man, He-March, He-Madness Month, and you are going to be eligible for a mini-collection if you simply type in the character name Snout Spout in either an email to carlsmithwriter at gmail.com or to our Facebook page, Make Eternia Great Again. Put that in the subject under a message to us, and you will be entered into a contest to win a free Masters of the Universe mini collection from us. Once again, my name is Eddie, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Make Eternia Great Again. Yeah.